Welcome to Emran's podcast, episode number 18. This is your host, Suman Silwal. If getting a boxing qualifying time is important to you, check that elevation, check the history of the race, um, do your due diligence. Visit emran.com to listen to previous podcasts. I'd like to welcome Brandon Wilson to Emran's podcast. Brandon, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? Where are you now? I'm currently in Chattanooga. So you're in Chattanooga to measure the Seven Bridges course. Can you describe how you started to measure the course before we actually talk about Seven Bridges course? I was a race director, and uh, obviously I knew uh, I needed to have courses certified, so I contacted a friend who was a uh, measurer uh, that did USA track and field measuring and called him and asked him to, to come and certify a course for me, and we went through the procedure. And I thought it was pretty neat. And I said, man, I'd like to do that myself. So I reached out to our, our local regional certifier for North Carolina at the time and asked how I, you know, how can I go about doing this? And he sent me the procedural manual, which I believe at that time was around 75 pages. I thought it was pretty neat, but I had a hard time working through the pages. So I called my friend back and said, I'd like to come tag along and do some measuring with you and learn how this goes so that I can become a measurer and certifier, and that was kind of how it started. So I just kind of uh, tagged along with him, did some on-the-job training and um, and certifying, and that was about five years ago, and I think I've done 114 courses since then. So what does it take to certify a course? Well, there's uh, certainly a lot of procedures that you have to follow as far as how to measure with shortest path and including short course prevention factor and uh, just a lot of standards that need to be met. But as far as the actual measurement itself, uh, there's a counter called a Jones Orp counter uh, that goes on the front wheel of a bicycle. And um, you go to a certified uh, calibration course and you calibrate that counter. Um, and so what you do is you actually ride that known distance course. It's usually either 300 meters or 1,000 feet, depending on the course. They can be various distances. But the point is that the calibration course is an exact known distance. And you ride that course four times, and you get the average number of counts that it takes you to cover that distance. And so at that point, your counter that's now on your front wheel is calibrated, and so you know exactly how many counts it takes to cover a kilometer. And then what you do is you do a course layout, and you say, okay, I need to ride 5K, so uh, I know how many counts are in a kilometer, so I, I multiply that by 5, and that's how we lay out the course to be 5 kilometers, and then we proceed to measuring, uh, and that's the, the, the procedure very, very shortened, and then when you're done, you go back to your calibration course, and you calibrate again uh, four times and get the average number of counts again, um, and then you check your math and make sure that when you measured the constant that you came up with per kilometer is, is the same, and if it's not, and it would result in a short course, you use a smaller number. That's a really fast way of narrowing down the math, but in a nutshell, we measure the course knowing exactly how many counts the course needs to be based on the calibration. And as many races I have run, I have come across some courses long, some courses short, sure. using, using a GPS device. I guess you use different methods, sounds like. Yeah, the, unfortunately, a GPS is really, it, it sounds like it's really accurate, and it's certainly uh, a lot accurate than guessing or, or a lot accurate than using an odometer, but unfortunately... Um, there's a lot of variation in GPS. I mean, take, take into account that you have a electronic device on your wrist that is trying to approximate your position by going into outer space and coming back to your wrist again, and your wrist is moving, moving up and down and in and out, and uh, there's a lot of variation that takes place there. 
you know, it's, it's really only so proximate as well. Whereas the Jones counter, when it measures, it's depending on the calibration, it's going to count approximately one click for around three inches. So at that point, and sometimes when we calibrate, we're actually getting to the point of half click. So our accuracy in that point can be actually as precise as down to about an inch and a half. Compare that to a GPS, that's wildly different. Yeah, I've found that every GPS has different way to measure it, too. I mean, I can put two GPS in the same course, and, and I find a different distance. And, and something else that comes up a lot, of course, when we measure as measurers uh, and certifiers, we're actually riding the course. Oftentimes, under really ideal conditions, we're able to ride uh, the shortest path or the shortest distance a runner could run under ideal conditions, in many cases with a road or a lane blocked off, and we're able to ride, you know, the exact diagonal from curb to curb, where a runner, you know, in, in the first few miles of a race, in many cases, they don't really have the ability to run necessarily the shortest path. They're either stuck to the right or stuck to the left. Um, so that all, that's always something, you know, we're not stopping and taking counts to go to the Port of John and back, for example. So um, usually a runner's GPS is going to measure long, so as you measure this course and you certify them, what does it certify the course really mean? Great question. Um, what we're certifying is that the course is not longer than the um, as were <laughs> the course is not shorter than the certified distance. So what we're really certifying is if we say the course is 5K, for example, and there's a record set on the course, what we're certifying is that if there was a validation measurement made on this course, that it would not come up shorter than 5K. So you're trying to see if it's exact. When you say 5K, it's, it's better be 5K. Is that what you're trying to do? Right. It absolutely should be 5K. And and there are some rare instances where they do they do validate short. It's certainly not very common. Um, but the goal is to, is to make sure that it's at least the advertised disc. So the question comes up, well, is it artificially long? And, and the answer is no, it's not artificially long. Um, but we're not certifying that the course isn't long. We're certifying that the course isn't short. Gotcha. That sounds really different from what we as a runner think. Right, exactly. Because when a runner thinks it's ideally you want accuracy. As a, as a measure, my goal, my goal is accuracy. So things that can affect that accuracy are temperature variance. Um, if the temperature is swinging from low to high as I measure, um, if I were to not recalibrate, for example, over the course of the day and the temperature rose 20 degrees, and it certainly can, and, and I've had it swing more than that, if I use the constant that I, that I had at 6 a.m. this morning um, and I measure until 3 p.m. this afternoon at the high of the day, I'm going to end up with a course uh, that's going to end up being long because as the temperature goes up and the pressure in my bike wheel goes up, for example, I, I end up with a count that's going down, so it ends up with the course being long. So one of the things that a lot of your measurers that are measuring a lot of courses will do is we recalibrate throughout the day. Um, for me, I try to do it about every seven or eight degrees of change, um, and so each each section of course ends up being measured with a new constant as the temperature is changing, and that results in a much more accurate measurement that shouldn't be either long or short. It should be right. But if you measure a course in the summertime and then the race is in the winter, how does that make it? Will it be different? Well, it won't. And that's where the, the calibrated counter method comes into play. So if I calibrate my counter today and I measure what I'm calibrating, what I'm sort of, what I'm learning through that is that at the temperature today, 
this number of counts equals a kilometer. So we'll call it 11,209. That's a fairly normal number for me to get around 80 degrees. So 11,209 counts per kilometer um, is approximately what it's going to be today. So if I were to measure today, that's what I would measure for, and it would be a kilometer. If I were to come back in the winter and I were to recalibrate, and I would every single day that I measure, I calibrate oftentimes, multiple times, or always multiple times. But if I came back in the winter and I rode the exact same calibration course that's known to be a 1,000 feet and certified to be a 1,000 feet, it would never end up being 11,209. It would be significantly larger than that. It would probably be something like 11,290, for example. So that's how much the temperature can swing uh, the constant. So it doesn't really matter when you measure. As long as you're measuring uh, within the same time frame and temperature range as when you're calibrating. That's really what it comes down to. And that's the calibrated counter method. That's why that's important to note. Not just a, it's not a fixed counter that just counts a fixed number. It's based on what we calibrate. Will it be possible a certified course be longer? Yeah, they certainly are. Um, certainly some certified courses that are longer and, um, the direction on how to handle that just kind of depends from regional certifier to regional certifier. I've seen a lot of debate about that, um, in the USA track and field forums. Really, our goal is to make sure that the course isn't short. Um, how we handle it if it's long is, is usually different. The way I personally handle that is if the certificate says it's, you know, 5,000, if it's a 5K, but I know that it measured, you know, 5,010 meters, I'm going to actually put on the map the, the actual distance of the course is 5,010 meters, for example. So a course might measure a tad long. Most measure is going to note the actual measured distance, not that it's at least a 5K, if that makes sense. That makes sense. One thing I have seen uh, some of the races, uh, that sometimes the mile marks are like kind of off. Whenever you certify this course, do you mark the miles, or, or is it marked by the race director later on? That's another great question. Um, and that's going to depend from race to race. So some races we will actually, usually I contact the race director and say, how do you want to do this? If I lay out your splits, and I mark them and I give you reference points. Are you actually going to use them? Or are you going to do your own thing on race day? And that varies from race to race. Uh, if a race director says, yes, I would prefer for you to lay out those splits, I will lay out those splits and I'll give it to them. Sometimes I'll say it's uh, mile two is 200 feet from 6th Street. Or if they're using Google Earth, they might want them as GPS coordinates. And I'll say, you know, mile, mile two is, you know, GPS coordinate, whatever. Um, but those are not certified points in most races. Mile splits can be certified points, um, in which case we would actually triangulate that and say it's exactly here at this location, but they're, they're generally not. And on a lot of maps, you'll actually see, hey, mile splits are for reference only, for example. So when your GPS says you're at mile five and you're looking up and you see it, you know, 50 feet or 60 feet down the road, that's common times where that's going to come into play is it's a reference split. Whereas your start and finish are certified locations and they are precisely and exactly located. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I have been to some of the races the way I was pacing people and I was perfectly fine. And then suddenly the course either it got longer or shorter that last mile. So I guess either the race director was trying to make up the miles or trying to reduce the miles at the end. Right. And then that, that certainly, um, the other thing that comes into play when splits are laid out is 
when a course is certified with USA Track and Field, we have um, a factor called the short course prevention factor, which is um, basically it's a it's a it's a thousandth of a percent of the total course distance that is actually factored in. So, to give you an example: when a 5K is measured, we actually it's actually measured to be 5,005 meters, not exactly 5,000 meters, and it's it's not an artificial distance at that. It's called the short course prevention factor, and so you know it's normally whatever the counts are for 5K times 1.001 is how we come up with that, and that's that's how the course is measured. So. When you see your last split in a marathon, for example, being, you know, 240 feet off from where you would expect it to be, that's usually an indicator that the race has laid out their splits with, you know, their car, for example. They've laid out reference splits, you know, and that distance has to be accounted for, that short course prevention factor, because if it's a certified course, it's factored in. Whereas if we lay those splits out when we're measuring, that short course prevention factor is actually factored in over the entire distance of the course. Talking about certifying course, do you certify it also trail? I've done um, a combination course before. Trail can be certified. It's, it's not that it can't be certified. It can be a bit challenging um, because the requirement is that you have to document short of path. Uh, and if you're running through a field of trees, that can be difficult. Um, I have done, I did a, a course in the Outer Banks of North Carolina where the last, uh, it was about 300 feet or so finished on the beach. And so we actually had to do a combination of measuring with the counter and also measuring with steel tape in order to come up with a certified distance. So it is possible to do a combination of measuring with a steel tape and the Jones counter to come up with a certified distance. It's not impossible to do. I wouldn't exactly call it common. Um, it's really just going to depend from course to course. Got you. I guess uh, also I have realized that in a trail, also the same problem with the, the distance being off. I mean, the, the procedure really is from the road running technical council, and it really was designed to to address short courses in, in road races. Um, my experience is most courses, you know, trail 50Ks and marathons and whatnot are usually not certified distances. They're usually laid out with GPS, and they're known to be roughly accurate generally. That's really about as good as it can get, right? I mean, you are you are measuring with a GPS. It's not it's not exactly, you know, precise. I think I have run 33 miles 50K and some 30 miles 50K, so I have done both. So I like the shorter distance on those cases. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Tell us about uh, all the different courses you have measured so far. It, it's been primarily in North Carolina. I've done a, probably a hundred courses in North Carolina. I've uh, measured in Maryland, uh, in Annapolis, and Virginia, and Tennessee. Um, the being from North Carolina, the bulk of my measuring has been in North Carolina, um, and I've done kind of a a large cross-section of courses from mile courses to calibration courses to marathons, kind of a little bit of everything. I really enjoy doing half marathons and full marathons. And it's a lot more work, but they're oftentimes a lot more challenging. It's, it's like doing a really complicated puzzle. Um, and, and that's for, for someone that really enjoys measuring, that can be a lot of fun um, trying to piece one together because no two courses are the same. Everything's different, and uh, and the hash and pulls provide a challenge that is um that's worthy uh, of doing the work. So you have spent this summer a couple of times at Chattanooga measuring seven bridges courses. 
and I've been running Correct. that race for several years now, and we always have some issue with the course either half or full. Can you talk about a little bit about um, how you have been measuring the course? What can you guarantee sure. the people who come into the race that this course will be accurate this time? How how can you say that? Well, the my it's my understanding that the course has been certified before with USA Track and Field, um, and over the several years of the course, the the course has changed, um, and it has been remeasured. But I I believe that it was not necessarily recertified. So. As it stands this year, um, I was given uh, the course information from the race director and a packet of around 20 pages or so of uh, route information from the police, what we call route restrictions. Hey, on this road you have the right lane, on this lane you have this road you have full lanes and whatnot. So um, back um, before I came out in early July, I took all that information and I created what we call a course layout document um, in which I, I went through it literally turn by turn by turn and street by street by street and laid out for the race director. This is my interpretation of the, all of the data you provided me. Um, we met with their new course chair and we went over that information to make sure that we all understood it to be the same. Um, and then I took that information and I came up with a plan for measuring and certifying the course. In the case of, of both the races I've certified in Chattanooga, Seven Bridges and the Chattanooga Marathon, the course has to be measured in sections because there's a lot of one-way streets where you'll be going with traffic and other streets where you're going against traffic. And so typically we lay those out in sections and we'll measure, you know, basically where the course makes sense. So I think with Seven Bridges, I had 18 sections that I measured. And what we do is we measure each section twice. And then we add up all of the sections in order to determine what the distance is. And we adjust the course to length with the turnaround if it's long or short. So that's really kind of the simplified process that I've followed for Chattanooga Marathon and Seven Bridges both. I guess you kept all the Seven Bridges intact? Yeah, all the Seven Bridges are intact. Uh, and they're, they're, they're beautiful. I've got to say, um, Chattanooga, of, of all of the courses that I've measured, are, are some of the most beautiful courses. The bridge crossings are amazing, running on the river walk. Um, there's so much variety. Uh, you know, I don't live here. I'm not from Chattanooga, but I really enjoy coming and working here. Um, the, it, it's not a surprise that these are wildly popular races. The courses are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, that's why I keep on coming back. And, and it becomes really beautiful in our star weekend in October, 43 degrees. And I've been able to DQPR over there. So I love to go back over and over. That's, I'm training for the seven bridge at this moment. Wonderful. You'll enjoy it. It's, it, it's a great course. Some, some of it, there's some elevation on it. Um, it's not bad. Um, but it's certainly when you're on the bike and you're sort of fine, you notice some of the bridge crossings. Um, the last one, uh, uh, the Chestnut Street Bridge is, is great, but it's pretty much all downhill because you're coming from the bluff side of the river and heading to the North Shore. Um, some of them are a little more challenging. Uh, you know, DuPont Street has a little bit of elevation and, um, you know, immediately following that, the, the dam crossing has some elevation. But for the most part, they're really very fair and very flat, fast work. So do you also measure elevation as well during this, this process? Sure. As part of the certification, we actually keep track of four stats. We keep track of the start and finish elevation, the highest elevation on the course, and the shortest elevation on the course. Um, and that's information that we provide um, in the certification in order to factor in what we call drop. So 
in order for a court to be record eligible, it has to be um, the start and finish has to be within a, a an acceptable allowance for separation, and the the overall drop of the course has to be within an allowance also. So all of those stats go into the certification. So what is the total elevation for a seven bridges marathon? Do you remember? Ooh, I'd have to go back and look. I can't remember. I want to say, without looking at the course certification, the start and finish are somewhere around 240, 204 meters above sea level, maybe. Uh, and I want to say it might be 228 meters for the high point and around 200 for the low. I'd have to go look at the certification. It's not fresh on my mind, but it's... Uh, uh, it's it's not bad, really. Um, I've seen some courses with much more elevation difference than that. As you certified all these courses, uh, where do you put all your certification or people, if they want need to look at online, is there a way to people to review it? Absolutely. You can review any any certified course. Certified course is valid for 10 years. Um, and then you can even search old courses in the database, uh, courses that are expired. And you can do that on USA Track and Field. USATX.org is the site you'd go to, and under products and services, there's a drop-down menu, and you go down to course certifications. There's really a lot of information available to you there. You can search for a specific certified course. You can search for all certified courses in a specific city. You can look at course certifiers, course measurers, final signatory measures, um, measures with international accreditation, um, the drop and separation calculator. There's tools for measures. There's a lot of information available at USATF.org on products and services under course certification. So if somebody wants to certify their course, what do they need to do? So it depends. So so you, even you could measure a course um, if you wanted to do that yourself, or you can contact the measurer to do that, and you would actually go through your regional certifier for your state, and all of their contact information is there, their email and their phone number, um, and they can you know they can help you walk you through the process yourself if it was something that you wanted to do um, or they could recommend a measure or you could contact any measure that works in your area and all of their contact information is there um, when you search for course measures. So if anybody wants to contact you for a measuring course, what do they need to do? So I'm I'm actually listed on the USATF website um, as a North Carolina measurer. Um, my name is Brandon Wilson. I'm also listed as a final signatory measurer and I'm also an IAAF measure, so I'm under all three of those sections on the website. Um, and all my contact information is on there for any of those sections. We talked a lot, lot about measuring courses, but we never talked about you running or doing other parts of running a race director. Can you talk to us a little bit about what you do beyond measuring course? Sure. I, uh, I started uh, in endurance sports in 2008 as a triathlete and Completed a lot of triathlons in North Carolina, and uh, in 2009, I finished the uh, full iron distance, the uh, 140.6. Um, got into ultra running in 2009 and 10. I've done run a lot of marathons. I've finished a 100-mile run. I've run a lot of fixed-time 12-hour, 24-hour races, uh, a lot of 50Ks. Um, for a number of years, I've been a race director for ultra marathons and a half marathon. Primarily, you know, my role was race directing from around from 2011 to through last year. Um, primarily was race directing and certifying, and uh, I'm not. I'm currently only race directing uh, the an higher, um, half marathon in Kinston in my hometown. Um, primarily, most of the rest of my duties is uh, 
raising my three kids and certifying and, and working my regular IT job. Brandon, before we leave uh, this interview, I would like to talk to runners like me. Tell us, um, what does it take to be a course measure? And even if the course is long or short, do we, how do we react to it? I know that sometimes we get frustrated for courses not being accurate. Can you tell, talk to sure. us a little bit and give some word of advice from your side? Yeah, um, the first thing I, and the most important thing I would say is you spend a lot of time training um, for races. Um, be a smart consumer of those races. You know, you wouldn't take your car to be worked on at a at a chop shop or somewhere that you hadn't done your research. We have lots of survey things to find out, you know, where is a good place to have your car worked on or where is a good place to eat. Um, unfortunately, runners don't usually approach picking their races with the same savvy. Um, you know, know, know how to check on if a course is uh, certified. Know to check if the course is, if it's a sanctioned race. You know, USA track and field has standards there for a reason and most of your serious races out there are going to make sure that their course is certified and that their race is sanctioned um, and that comes with the standards of knowing that the course is going to be uh, set up or you know there are errors in course set up that does happen but but at least you know that a race organization has taken the process seriously enough uh, to make sure that those standards are reasonably met so you know the, the USA track and field website is there um, you know, do your research. If you have questions about a, if a race is going to be sanctioned, you know, contact the race director. You know, ask, you know, what's the course certification number if you can't find it. If it's being certified, you know, they'll be able to tell you, hey, it's currently being certified. We don't have the final number. So, um, you know, besides just picking a fantastic destination, if if being getting a boxing qualifying time is important to you, check, check that elevation. Check the history of the race. Um, do your due diligence to make sure that you're, uh, attending a race that, that's going to give you those things that you need and want. Sounds like a great advice. Thanks for your time. Hope to catch you at Chattanooga, maybe. That'd be great. We'll be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.